Welcome to Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo, a podcast created to spotlight and highlight marketers, tell their stories, and share their knowledge with those interested in all things marketing. If you're interested in more than just the cut and dry strategies and tactics and want to learn more about the human side of his guests and how they got to where they are today, then this show is for you. The other thing you just touched on was how you got into marketing with the Epic Content Marketing book. And now I saw right behind you, I see that book actually, um, the Epic Content Marketing, uh, but it's the second edition. And for somehow you co-authored that second edition. Um, how did that happen? How did you get involved with co-authoring that second edition? Yeah, so it's a funny story. So, you know, the first edition had such an impact on my career, um, you know, so much of an impact that when I started actually going to Content Marketing World, which was Joe Polizzi's big event that he was putting on, um, I started going in 2017. And every year that I went, I would track Joe down at the conference, take a selfie with him, thank him for writing the book, um, tell him how much it changed my career and how happy I was in content marketing. And then back in uh, 2020, I started presenting at Content Marketing World. In 2021, you know, I started asking Joe when, when I'd see him, you know, when are you going to do a second edition? And then on um, October 13th of 2021, we were in a book club chat room in the CMI Stack uh, Slack community, and I just, you know, asked him again, you know, when are you going to when are you going to update the second or the, when are you going to do a second edition of Epic? And he said, if you want to update it and co-author it with me just let me know wow I wrote back and i said yes absolutely i would love to do that and uh, so it was a fantastic project getting to work with him getting to talk to so many um you know get so many case studies and talk to so many influencers in content marketing who are really doing it exceptionally at big brands and you know in small for small creators as well uh so it was a it was a fantastic experience well, congratulations, man. You just sold me. You just sold me, man. I got to get my copy. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Tales Show. My name is Chris Raposa, and today I have the honor to welcome my guest, Brian Piper. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, man. I've been following you for a while, so it's a it's a it's an honor to have you here. So let's let's dive right in. Okay. So um a little bit of did a little bit of research as I always do in my guests. LinkedIn is my uh platform of choice to do that research. So I saw that you have a degree in creative writing from Missouri State University, and you are currently that the director of content strategy and assessment at the University of Rochester. Um, talking about your journey, did you know from an early age that you wanted to work in marketing and what do you love about marketing? No. So actually, um, when I was a creative writing major, I wanted to be a freelance writer for uh, rock climbing and skydiving magazines because those were my my passions at the time. Um, ended up getting a job as a website developer, which led to uh, eventually led to a job in advertising. But it wasn't really until I read the first edition of Epic Content Marketing in 2014 that I, you know, discovered content marketing. And that's when I knew that I wanted to work in marketing. I wanted to learn how to, you know, tell stories, 
to gain people's trust, to convince them that, you know, we had the, the expertise or, you know, authority that they needed to be, you know, paying attention to and leveraging. And then eventually that trust would, you know, kind of evolve into them wanting to use our services and products because they knew we were like legitimately trying to help them. Okay. Okay. So th- two things I want to touch on what he just said. So skydiving, right? Um, I saw that you were in the army as an airborne, in the airborne infantry. That's correct. So that, that led you from, you did the skydiving first, then you went to the army or other way around? So I started skydiving in the army, but it's something that I've been doing for the last 32 years, uh, pretty consistently. Okay. Well, thanks for your service, my friend. My pleasure. The other thing you just touched on was how you got into marketing with the Epic Content Marketing book. And now I saw right behind you, I see that book actually, um, the Epic Content Marketing, uh, but it's the second edition. And for somehow you co-authored that second edition. Um, How did that happen? How did you get involved with co-authoring that second edition? Yeah. So it's a funny story. So, you know, the first edition had such an impact on my career, um, you know, so much of an impact that when I started actually going to content marketing world, which was Joe Polizzi's big event that he was putting on, um, I started going in 2017. And every year that I went, I would track Joe down at the conference, take a selfie with him, thank him for writing the book, um, tell him how much it changed my career and how happy I was in content marketing And then back in uh, 2020, I started presenting at Content Marketing World. In 2021, you know, I started asking Joe when when I'd see him, when are you going to do a second edition? And then on um, October 13th of 2021, we were in a book club chat room in the CMI Stack uh, Slack community, and I just you know asked him again, you know, when are you going to when are you going to update the second or when are you going to do a second edition of Epic? And he said, if you want to update it and co-author it with me. Just let me know. Wow. So I wrote back and I said, yes, absolutely. I would love to do that. And uh, so it was a fantastic project getting to work with him, getting to talk to so many, um, you know, get so many case studies and talk to so many influencers in content marketing who are really doing it exceptionally at big brands and, you know, in small for small creators as well. Uh, so it was a, it was a fantastic experience. Well, congratulations, man. You just sold me. You just sold me, man. I got to get my copy. <laughs> um, now let's go to your uh, your full-time role um, as the Director of Content Strategy and Assessment at the University of Rochester. Um, what drew you to higher ed marketing, to the higher ed marketing world after spending years in the multimedia development in the military and defense sector? Yeah, I mean, so... Uh... It really wasn't a desire to move into higher ed. I hadn't thought specifically about higher ed. Uh, There was a leadership change at my existing job at the defense contracting company. Um, So I started kind of looking around for other job opportunities out there and came across the uh, University of Rochester job. And I knew they were, you know, a, a great company to work for, a great uh, institution. Their brand is is well known in our area, certainly for uh, being an excellent employer. And, you know, when I was originally hired to do the job, my job description and the role was really to look at 
you know, just the content that our office, the central communications office was putting out. So our, our news center content, our newsletters, social channels, and really to look at all the data around that content to see what was working and what wasn't, try to figure out how to make it perform better. But then over the last five years, you know, we've we've done so many really good things and made such great improvements in my department. My role has really expanded out to help provide guidance um, to content creators across the institution on different ways to, you know, optimize performance, track, monitor, measure, uh, connect with audiences. So it's really evolved into a much larger role than it originally started out. But I've really enjoyed the higher ed community because people are just so willing to share what they're working on and, you know, what's going well and what's not going well. Uh, coming from a defense contracting company, you would go to, you know, go, go to conferences and nobody could talk about what they were doing or what they were working on. And at a higher ed conference, you go sit down and immediately the conversation at the table is like, oh, well, I, you know, I tried this tool and it didn't work for us. And, you know, what are you doing? And so it's just wonderful to know how, how collaborative it is, you know, not only within an institution, but across the, the higher ed landscape. Yeah, it's a, it's a great community. I've noticed that myself when I went to conferences, how willing they are to share uh, ideas with each other. Um, and I saw that you're a member of directors at High Ed Web. Um, you know, we're, we're involved with High Ed Web uh, quite a bit as well. So we, we love them and we're always there to support them. And also, Kudos to you for getting into the University of Rochester. Um, my employer, Hannon Hill, Cascade CMS, um, University of Rochester uses Cascade CMS, and we're always impressed with the work that you all are doing um, with your website. So great job of getting in there and you know keep up the good work. Um, but let's talk about content strategy. Uh, how do you approach creating a content strategy specifically for higher ed institutions and what makes it distinct from other sectors you have worked in? Yeah, I mean, so higher ed is a very, um, very different landscape because, you know, we tend to have more audiences with very different messages uh, across our landscape. Not only do you have, you know, potential undergraduates and their parents, but, you know, your faculty, your staff, your graduate students, international, you know, all these different audiences, um, you know, even and a lot of cases, your content that you're creating, you know, is is specifically designed for, you know, the board of directors or leadership or C-suite. So all these different kind of messages and audiences you have to think about. You have to think about different channels you're operating on. And then also, you know, I think higher ed definitely has a tendency to be very siloed. You know, so you have all of these smaller groups across the organization who are all very focused on their own content, their own audiences. And I think you get that even more than you do in um, traditional brands. But when you go back and you look at, you know, the, the overall content strategy, the basic principles are still the same, you know, for creating a strategy or a content marketing strategy at any level within any organization. You need to you know, clearly understand your specific strategic goals. So mm -hmm. as your institutional goals, your school goals, your department goals, you have to have visibility across your entire organization to know where you're going. What's, what's your final destination that you're, that you're looking to reach and what are you trying to accomplish 
with each piece of content that you create. Mm. So I think, you know, starting with strategy is the key. And then, and then the next thing is really understanding your audience. So who very specifically, who are you trying to reach with each piece of content that you create and what action are you trying to get them to take in order to help you eventually, you know, reach those strategic goals. So as different as higher ed is, you know, fundamentally, it's still the same basic principles that apply. You have to know where you're going. You have to know who you're talking to. Yeah. So, and you, it, it's beautifully laid out for my next questions. Given those unique audiences in higher ed, students, faculty, potential students, parents, alumni, how do you ensure your content resonates with all these different groups? And do you, so I works I work with uh, the University of Florida, my uh, alma mater, a lot, and they use me for spotlights. And where are they now? So social proof pieces. Do you heavily rely on social proof pieces when you do your content strategy? Yeah, I mean, so much of what we're trying to do, we're trying to be much more proactive with our content as opposed to reactive. So mm -hmm. in the past, we've also we've often put out content because it was requested from you know, faculty or researchers or, or someone. Yeah. So we would react to those requests and put out that content. And now we're trying to be much more proactive and really trying to listen to our audiences and figure out what information they want, what content is helpful to them. And, you know, we can gather some of that from looking at the data to seeing what content performs better on what channels. So you can target more of that content on those channels, mm. really talking to those audiences and finding out, you know, what, what do you want in your newsletter content? What sort of information are you going to come and read and share with your audience? So really, you know, figuring out how to ask those questions, how to really understand what they're looking for, um, and then figuring out the right platform for each of those audiences, each of those pieces of content, and then making sure that you're measuring and tracking that and then comparing that against some baseline performance so that you can see what content is working, what content's not working, what uh, audiences are resonating on what channels. So I think it's really just kind of paying attention to all of that and looking at the big picture is, is the way to, you know, make sure that you're really communicating with the your audiences in the way that they want, adding value for them. Yeah, definitely. Adding value is a, is a big part of that. And I've noticed that when they wrote a piece on me, I, I was sure to share that with my audience and with my with my mom and with my family, you know, other people do this as well. And then let's say grandma sees a piece of me and she says, oh, look at that. Throws it to my cousin. Hey, maybe you should consider going to this school, <laughs> you know. That's how it happens. Yeah. Um, so in this fast paced digital world, how do you keep up with the changing trends and adapt to your content strategy and higher ed marketing? You know, yeah, GPT is the big thing right now, as well as the Google Analytics for switch that's coming up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, the best way to 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 stay connected and aware of what's going on is just stay as educated as you can read as much as you can listen to, you know, great podcasts like this one try to, I go to as many conferences as I can. I uh, follow experts in all different areas and engage with their content as much as I can. And really, you know, as many communities as you can join and get into and find these conversations that are going on, just, you know, take every opportunity that you can to, to learn and to share and to speak, you know, because 
I think the teaching is one of the best ways to learn. And I think when you have to teach something to someone and, and tell them, you know, how to do it, it really makes you think about the, the details and, you know, the nuances of, uh, you know, different ways that you're going to accomplish a, a particular task. And I, th I think just, you know, staying aware and keeping your eyes open and listening is, is key to, you know, being able to keep up with everything that's going on. There's a lot going on. That's awesome. Yeah, we teach best what we need to learn most. That's a quote that, that I love. Um, and yeah, I can totally agree with that. I had to do a webinar last week on JetGPT and one this week on uh, Google Analytics 4. So JetGPT, you know, I'm always in that thing, but Google Analytics 4, not as much as I want to. And I really, really, really had to dig deep into that uh, GA. UA uh, Universal Analytics and GA4 and how to figure it out so I'll be able to present on it today and mm -hmm. that really helped me just understand you know uh, which um, you know I had to boil it down within the last the last three days which would have taken me a much longer time if I wouldn't have to teach on it uh, so that's always a good way to go about it um, one of your expertise lies in data analysis and analytics um, how do you measure the success of your content strategy and what metrics are most relevant uh, in the context for higher education for you or in your institution? Yeah. And, you know, it's a great question. I get that question a lot. Uh, there are lots of ways to measure success. When people ask me, you know, what metrics should I be measuring? My answer is always it, it depends, <laughs> which yeah. is never what they want to hear. Yeah, but it really does. It depends on what you're trying to do specifically with each piece of content and content strategy. As I said, it always starts with the strategy before you get to the content. Instead of being content strategy, it really should be strategy content. But whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know. So, like one of our strategic initiatives is to increase our brand awareness as a research institution. So. You know, at a micro level for an individual story that we know is a research story, we know which audience we're trying to hit with it. You know, we measure the performance based on, you know, traffic page views, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether they take the action that we put in our in our calls to action. Um, where we're ranking on the search engines for that particular piece of content. But you really have to be able to look at at the bigger story, at, at the bigger picture. Because strategically, it's much more than just one story. So when we're talking about, you know, showing the improvement of our brand, uh, our awareness as a leading research institution, we really have to look at all of our research performance across all of our channels. So all the news center stories that are research focused, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the areas, all the newsletters that we're sending out that have research content, all the social posts, you know, we tag our social posts so that we can see which ones are research focused. And then we can really start looking at the big picture because that's more, that's much more strategic and going to have a much bigger impact. So, yeah. you know, not only are we measuring our own content, our own research content, but we're looking at what our medical center is doing, what our business center is doing. They're doing research as well. Mm -hmm. So we want to try to promote their content and find ways to link it back to, you know, other content that we're creating that we're able to create those, you know, connections that makes it easier for Google to find. It makes it easier for users to find. So really thinking, you know, that, that the macro data, you know, individual things that you're tracking for individual pieces of content but really keeping focus on that, you know, mm -hmm. 
big picture macro level data. So yeah. So do you use Google Tag Manager to uh, for your look? Uh, yeah, for your social media. Okay. Yes, we use Tag Manager, but then our social media team actually um, creates. You know, we use UTM codes with campaigns, but then our uh, social media group also tags every post within. We, they just do it in Google Sheets. So they'll put in the, the post and what date it was posted, what time it was posted, and then, you know, what the strategy that it aligns with, what the audience is, so that then we can go back and look at the performance of each of those individual pieces of content and see how many pieces of, you know, how many tweets did we do about research content this month? How did they perform? What audiences are we talking to on those channels? So, yeah. Very sophisticated operation over there in Rochester. Um, it's, it's stay with um, the social media for a bit. Um, how does social media fit into your content strategy and how do you leverage it to engage the higher ed audience? Yeah, I mean, so social media is is huge. It's one of the best ways to really, uh, you know, grow an audience to reach particular audiences. We know that you know uh, millennials and Gen Z spend quite a bit of time on social media, so we know that's where they're consuming. Uh, you know, TikTok is one of the uh, top search engines now for for millennials. So we know that we want to be on those channels. You have to create content to fit those channels for your particular audiences, but we also know that those channels, you know, in, in Epic content marketing, we call that rented land mm -hmm. because you only control so much on those channels. You, you don't control distribution. You don't control uh, how much is, how widely it's shared. You, you have limited control over, you know, whether or not you even stay on that channel or not. We have seen a lot of accounts closed or channels, you know, unavailable for certain amounts of time. So we, you know, we're careful about putting too much emphasis on building an audience just on those channels. And we really look for every opportunity we can to convert those audiences off of that rented land onto our own land. So we want to try to get their email address. We want to send them to content that's valuable to them to draw them into our website, sign up for our newsletters, you know, request information about our different programs and schools. So you know, while we do, we're very active on social. We have, you know, students running our TikTok account. They're they're creating great content, but we're always looking for ways to point those users back to, you know, some way that we can start capturing information about them that that they share with us willingly. Yeah, definitely get them on that newsletter because that's right. That's right. Some, you know you never know when one of those platforms may shut down, and if that's one of your your main drivers, there goes your pipeline. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen it with, you know, what's going on with Twitter right now. It's, it's, you know, it's a very uh, interesting landscape, interesting environment there. And, and TikTok, we've seen, you know, that getting banned in different, you know, certainly different countries, but in different institutions, different government uh, bodies. So yeah, you don't, you'll have very limited control over that space, but you always have control over, over your website space. Yeah, this take this Twitter thing it was really hot around uh, last fall when I was at an AMA ad conference. They were talking about Twitter refugees going to LinkedIn and such. You know, it's like wow, pretty hot that right there for a moment. But I feel like it cooled down maybe a little bit, or people got used to it. Um, 
So as you look to the future, especially with the rise of generative AI, what trends or changes do you anticipate in higher education content strategy and how do you prepare for them? Yeah, and I think, you know, with with the abundance of AI generated content that we're starting to see out there, I think we're going to see more and more institutions, uh, colleges, universities really looking to establish that voice, their own, uh, you know, authentic Mm -hmm. perspectives on things. I think we're going to see a lot of integration of AI into different solutions. We're going to see people using AI much more to, you know, automate repetitive tasks and find better ways to uh, measure performance and do data analysis. Uh, we're going to see AI integrated into a lot of the tools that we already use. And I think, you know, Really, in the long term, it's going to make our jobs easier. It's going to allow us more time to be more creative and to be more strategic and really to start thinking more big picture and less focused on all the minutia of everything that we have to do, you know, in our in our day to day jobs. Hopefully it'll it'll take some of that on and, and get some of it off our plates. Yeah, that's something uh, our common friend Kyle Campbell touched on last week during the JetGPT webinar, you know, the commoditization of content and that uh, thought leadership is going to be more on the rise now and you have to establish, establish your brand. So people no longer look for that content, but they look more for the author that they trust. And then they read the author's um, post instead of, you know, any given post that they find on, uh, on Google. So that's a good point. Um, so with your vast experience in marketing, what is one important lesson that you've learned over the course of your marketing career that you could share with the audience? Yeah, I think just, you know, really focus on on learning and innovating. Look for new opportunities. Look for ways to connect with uh, leaders in your industry. I think you can learn so much from watching other people and you know, every time you can learn from someone else's mistake, that's one less mistake you have to make. Okay, perfect. Perfect. And now uh, what are two books you recommend anyone should read about becoming a better marketer? And don't be shy to promote your own book. Well, I have to say Epic Content Marketing is kind of the, it's, it's the case study. It's the example. It's the encyclopedia for how to do content marketing. Uh, it goes all the way from beginning basics all the way to, you know, complicated uh, new technology integration. So obviously that's my first choice. Um, second book that I recommend to everyone is Everybody Writes. So Anne Handley's uh, second edition of her book, it will teach you how to be a better writer, a better communicator, a better leader, all while, you know, making you laugh while you read it. It's a fantastic book. And you recently met her, didn't you? How was that? I did. It was it was wonderful. She was very impressed by all the notes that I had in in her book. Um, she was glad that I got so much value out of it. So yeah, it was fantastic. Awesome, man. I saw that post on LinkedIn. I recommend everybody follow um, Brian on LinkedIn as well for some great content and some encouragement as well. So as we close the episode, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, every, you can reach me at brianwpiper.com or brianwpiper on basically any social channel. So feel free to connect. Always glad to talk content marketing, content strategy, AI, Web3, content optimization, all sorts of fun stuff. Awesome, Brian. Really, really, really appreciate you being on the show and sharing all your insights with the audience. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure to be here. All right. You take care now.